This is the Big Church Podcast. Uh, just to intro, I already don't like to be told what to preach. It's just my thing. Because then I can't creatively come up with uh, a parable or have some kind of illustration. I can't bring in a zip line. I can't bury myself in dirt. You know what I mean? So it kind of frustrates me already. And I kind of was having a pity party with just me and Jesus. Like Pastor Rich said, no one wants to come to your pity party, but Jesus did. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was sitting there and I was like, God, we've been talking about this for, not saying God in vain, but literally saying God. Uh, we have been talking about this for a while. I think Rich has said everything. My mom has said everything. I don't know really what else to say. And then I begin to research, and uh, this David series has, has been so good. Pastor Rich has knocked it out of the park. My mom is, Pastor, my pastor mom has killed it. Uh, it's just been amazing. But as I was kind of complaining uh, with the Lord, I was like, there's not much more to say. We've talked about David and Goliath. We've talked about the glance that turned to a gaze. We've talked about the shepherd boy that was overlooked. Things, and I'm like, what story uh, underlooked, but God saw him and talked about all the different things. And I'm like, what story can I pull from to talk about today? And then I was major convicted because outside of Jesus, there's more written in the Bible about David than any other character in the Bible. David has 66 chapters dedicated to his life and his name is mentioned 95 times in the New Testament which is powerful and I think that it preaches to us that God wants us to know about this guy and so I think it's profound and it's important for us to really lean in and so I was like Lord I really got to lean in for this to find um, some information there's so much emphasis on David's life I believe that because he knew that 3,000 years later there was a group of people um, really here at Big Church but around the world that would learn a lot from David's life and so I hope that today uh, we would be able to learn about his life how many people are loving this fall weather it's fall y'all y'all loving it how many people feel under the weather because of the change of the weather? Yeah, I've been in bed since Wednesday. So help a brother out this morning. If I say something that's good, we say what? So good. You can say preach on white boy, preach on, come on chicken legs, whatever you want to say. I need to hear you this morning because I uh, got to shake the cobwebs out of my brain from being in bed. But are you guys excited for the word of God this morning? All right, let's get started. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. After removing Saul is what the top of the scripture says. After removing Saul, I want to stop right there real quick and give you a little uh, background to, behind what we're talking about this morning. The title of this talk is A Man After, say after, after. my own heart. A man after my own heart heart. After removing Saul, the reason why Saul was removed was because Saul no longer had a relationship with God. He treated God as a religion. No longer was Saul talking to God like he once talked to him, serving God like he once served him, worshiping God like he once worshiped him. He wanted just to be the king. He wanted to rule and to reign, but he didn't want anybody to rule and reign over his life. Rulers, leaders, Kings, people of influence are influenced by somebody, and it might as well be God. And Israel wanted a king, but God wanted a heart. 
God wanted to be the king of the hearts of Israel, but Saul wanted it all for himself. He became greedy. He became selfish. He became gluttonous. Everything was to serve King Saul. I think that we can learn from that because even Satan himself, he was kicked out of heaven. He had the best job in the entire world. He looked at a God that had eyes of fire and hair like wool. He saw a sea of rubies. He was in probably the most beautiful place that anything, he's not a person, but anything could witness with his eyes. But he began to absorb and receive the, which is why he had, instead of giving it to God. That's a lot like Saul, which is why he had to be removed. Church, Israel wanted a king but God wanted a heart. So after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found, found is important. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this morning that you would find someone in this room like David, the son of Jesse that we would be after your very own heart and that we would do everything that you want us to do. Holy Spirit, we enthrone you because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I pray that every person would leave here with a different level of liberty in their life. I thank you that you love us. Even sometimes with our actions, we don't love you. I thank you that you're merciful when we make mistakes. And I thank you that you are good, even though things seem bad. Lord, we like that God. And we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The fact that God said that he found a man after his own heart indicates that there was a search. Yes, the king of the world, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the lion of tribe of Judah, the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star, the alpha, the omega, the powerful God, the boss of the world was in a search. He was in a search of someone that would be interested in his heart. He was at a search... for someone that would rather have a relationship than just follow a religion. He was interested in someone that would not just follow rules, but would have a romance. And from the place of romance, those rules would just come easy because that person loved him. That is what God wants for us today. If you come into this church and you wonder, is God mad at me? No, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He wants you. He cherishes you. He desires you. He fights for you. And he does whatever he needs to do to get to you. Church, that's good news this morning. That he did that so much so that he gave up his only life so that he could be involved in yours. How powerful and profound is that? He uses the earth as an ottoman. He puts his toes on Thailand. But he wants relationship with you. How crazy is that? That he loves you so much so that he would do that to have you. He searched for you. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, it says, But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought, 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 sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have kept the Lord's commandments. In this search, there is the creator that is constantly looking for you. Second Chronicles, I'll prove it. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those 
whose hearts are fully committed to him. That the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for someone that is fully committed to him so he can sow himself strong. I love the New American Version. It says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. I love this, to give strong support for those that have a heart that is loyal to him. The question you might have today is, what was it about David that stopped God's search? Imagine this. Often, you know, people are, you know, if you're going to the GNC or if you're going to next level, you're searching for the right pre-workout or you're searching for this and you're reading the label and you're asking, you know, the really buff guy behind the counter, but you're scared to ask him because you don't want to, you know, he's just big. And, or, or you girls, you know, after work, you just have to de-stress. So you have to go to Target, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I said it with attitude because that's how it is. Like you got to stop and get your Starbucks, vanilla skinny white latte. And then you got to go right through that dollar section and pick about $7 worth of stuff and then for some reason you always go to the office supplies and you walk through the office and it's sneaky because you went for pencils but you left with all kinds of desk decorations and, and then you go this way and that way and you know you, you, it just, you have to do the whole circle you can't miss a smart target though you went four days ago you might miss something you know when you're in a search of that thing imagine God searching through Louisville, Kentucky like you girls search in Target Looking for somebody. Oh, that one's $17.99. And that heart is completely not for me. Or this one's $2.99. That's a great side table, but why is it $299? Anyway, in searching for that thing, God is in the the target of Louisville, Kentucky, looking for you. Can you imagine? Seriously, like, I know I'm being funny, and this was not in my notes, obviously. It's not good. Uh, But... Think about that. The creator of the world walking throughout the earth. Just ah, went to this church, couldn't find anybody. Went to that prayer meeting and like me on Wednesday, fell asleep on the back row. I'm wrong. He was not, he didn't find me that day. You know what I mean? Or I went to this Bible study and really they're just trying to find a friend group instead of learning the Bible, which is fine. That's cool. Community is key. But I couldn't find anybody or I went to this place or I went to that place and the creator of the world is constantly in search of somebody and he can't find them. But he was looking throughout the nation of Israel and he found David. He found a man after God's own heart. So the question you might have is what was it about David that stopped the Lord during his search? And I'm glad you asked. This morning, we're going to take a look at the five qualities that God saw as a qualification to make this man have his whole entire life labeled as the man after God's own heart. The first one is obedience, which is why Saul was no longer king, but David stepped in because Saul was disobedient. He wouldn't listen to the word of God, the written word of God. He wouldn't follow the precepts, and he was not listening to the prophets, though they were sent many times to warn him and to tell him to do something different. However, you know that from my mom's message, uh, pastor mom's message, that says that it was just a glance that then turned to a gaze, that David did not leave with the obedient award that he was not always following the rules that God had set before, before him, but still 
David was labeled a man after his own heart. So you say, how is that possible? He did that with Bathsheba. He killed his buddy. He then tried to hide it. You, go, you can think of all his failures and all his flaws, but the thing about David, which leads me to my second point, is that his, his repentance is what showed that he had a heart after God. And not just his repentance, but his acceptance of God's full forgiveness. And I feel like that's key. And I feel like that's important. Psalms chapter 51. This is the actual prayer that David prayed after he got caught in his act of sin. After he took heed to the word and the warning of the Lord of saying, you've got to stop this nonsense before your life is completely ruined. Not just your life, but all the lives that are connected to your life. You have to realize that David was not just your average dude. David was a king and he was a leader of many, 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 many lives. But he still made a mistake. But his response to the mistake is what made him a man after God's own heart. Leaders can mess up. Leaders can make mistakes. I, 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 can we just make that clear? We have pastors that are, that are committing suicide because they can't be perfect. They're not supposed to be perfect. We have people in leadership and politics and all this stuff, and I'm not getting into all that, but no person is perfect. And if you're looking for a perfect person, a perfect pastor, a perfect prayer leader, a perfect small group leader, this this is not your place. You can go check another church because it ain't happening here. Nobody is perfect, but what we are on is a process to pursue the one that is because there's a king that is. Psalms chapter 51 is the actual prayer that David prayed after being uh, confronted with his sin. It says, have mercy on me, God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and I know my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my inequity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Hear the cry of that scripture. That wasn't just, Jesus, forgive my sins. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. It wasn't just a small little, God, forgive me. God, I did it again. You know, oops, I did it again. I did it again, again. No, it was, God, I'm sorry. Like, blot this. Please don't even look at this. I'm really sorry about this. And I repent, like, from his heart. He cried out to his creator to forgive him. And there's a difference. Rules will say, Jesus, forgive me. Relationship will say, I'm so sorry that I hurt your heart. I'm so sorry that I couldn't live up to that expectation as my dad that you wanted me to because I'm your son. I'm so sorry, King Jesus, that as your slave, I couldn't serve you well. I'm so sorry, the, my brother that sticks closer than a brother. I, as your other brother, I, I messed up and I'm so sorry. David didn't repent as quickly as he should have, but when he did, he meant business. 
Then the second part, which is, in my opinion, one of the most important parts, is that he realized the reality of God's forgiveness. Jeremiah 31, verse 34, uh, it says, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I love this part. This is it. For I will forgive their weakness, or I'm sorry, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. In a time where they were wondering, Will they know God? Will they be able to experience the love of God? Because of my sins, I don't know if we can speak about the love of God. And he says, no, for I forgive their wickedness and I remember their sin no more. David realized that he, God, when he repented, God remembered his sins no more. God's forgiveness is complete. It can completely erase your mistakes from your record. Completely, God can forget what you did a month ago or a year ago or two years ago after you repent and after you ask for forgiveness, there is complete forgiveness. Psalms chapter 103, verse 12, it says, as far as from the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. The east and the west never touch, which means that he will never remember your sin. I feel like this is so important. This is a great lesson that we need to learn. And the lesson is that we really are forgiven. And what I mean by that is I can, I'm like this. I remember traveling with Eddie James Ministries and we were going from city to city and I was standing on stage to stage and I knew my muck and I knew my mire and I knew my mistakes and I knew my mess ups and I still know them today. Don't get it twisted. Like I know the bad part of Kagan, the wicked part within me. Paul said it best. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm going to say that too. I'm the chief of sinners. Like I'm a bad guy, which is why I signed up to be a Christian because I need his help. It's important to have him in my life. I can't live without him. And, and so I, I remember we, I was preaching on the stage and I was flying on the planes and I was doing TV and I was doing all this Christian good stuff, but I would go to my hotel room at night and I would cry because I felt like a fraud. And I felt like the way that I was living was wicked and was wrong. And all I did was say a cuss word because I was really good. I'm real bad now. I was <laughs> compared to back then. And I would do all these things. And I said, God, how would you use me? Like, don't you remember what I did four weeks ago in seven days and 35 minutes? And he's like, boy, what are you talking about? Because I asked for forgiveness and he forgot my sin. And I remember I had a leader in my life and he was, he was bad, he, he, but he was a leader. And sometimes like David, they'll put a saw over your life so you can learn what not to do later on in your life. And I'm not going to say this guy's name, but he was bad. And I know he was bad because it was 45 of us always on a tour bus and living together. So there was no way we could escape, uh, let alone our own sins, everyone else's sins too. And like when someone messed up, you knew, like you just knew. Gossip Girl ain't got nothing on that. I've never even seen that. I don't even know. I just heard gossip. Uh, but he was bad. And so I went to him and I was like, man, like, I'm not trying to judge you. Jesus loves you. But you're bad. How, how are you able to get on stage all the time and do this and get on stage and all the time and do that? And, and, and But the thing about him is he was bad, but he was always bent at the altar crying and weeping before the Lord. I didn't know what he was crying about, but he said, Kagan, I'm going to tell you this. He said, man, I, I'm bad. 
He said, I've got this thing in me, this thorn in my side. I've got this thing in me that I, 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 I want to do what I ought not to do. And I can't, I can't shake this thing. But he said, do, do you remember two nights ago when I was crying and I was making a lot of noise at the altar, weeping before the Lord? And I said, yeah. He said, I was crying about that and I was asking for forgiveness. He said, and when I jump on a stage, I don't deserve to be on that stage. But when I jump on that stage, would I tell myself that if God forget my, forgot my sin, I can forget it too. And God still can use a dirty thing. And, I, and it just, it liberated my life because for a while I had been paralyzed in the prison of I'm not good enough. Or I can't preach because my life isn't perfect enough. Or I can't pray that prayer because I did this or I did that. And now, don't hear, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying do whatever you want and then just ask for forgiveness. But I'm saying that, that, that when you ask God for forgiveness, he forgets it and you should too. Forgiveness is powerful, and it is forgetting your sin. We've got to realize the reality of God's forgiveness like David did. Jer I've already read that, and I already read that. Okay, well, let's just go to the next page. <laughs> that powerful line that I tell myself every time I jump on a stage is that if God forgets my sin, I can too. Number three, God loved the word of God. The number three qualification of him to be labeled as a man after God's own heart is he loved the word of God. When things went wrong in David's life, he went to the word. Psalms chapter 119, verse 105, it says, David literally wrote this. He said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He realized that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and that the word was God. He realized that it was a double-edged sword that divided his soul and his spirit. He realized that the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but it's the word of God that's everlasting. He realized that he can have all the bread that he wants in the palace, but it's the bread of life that sustains him. David was a lover of the word of God. The fourth qualification is that David was a, play, a person of prayer. Something that we can always learn from David is that he was always asking God for guidance. Now, David could have easily used his own knowledge. His pride could have told him he's a victorious warrior. He is a king. He is a millionaire. He, he lives in a palace. He's got it. If he's done it all these years, he's got it under control. His pride could have said, I got this, I got this, I got this. But his humility always asked God for guidance. His humility spoke louder than his pride, saying that I have done it not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God, and I'm not going to start now. As the worship team joins me. First Samuel, you're gonna, I'm going to read a few passages and you're gonna see a quick pattern, and it's a powerful pattern. I wanna remind you, he's a millionaire. He's a king. He's a victorious warrior. Everything that he puts his hand to is blessed, but still he chose to do this. First Samuel chapter 23. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against that K word and are, <laughs> are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Once again, in verse four, it says, once again, David inquired of the Lord. First Samuel chapter 30, verse eight. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And God answered, pursue them. You will certainly take over 
them and succeed in the rescue. Second Samuel chapter five, verse 19. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them, will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Second Samuel chapter five, verse 23. So David inquired of the Lord and he answered, God answered, when you inquire of the Lord, God always answers. Do not go straight up, but circle around them from behind and attack them from the front of the popular trees. Second Samuel, chapter, you're saying, Kagan, come on, we get the point. But Second Samuel, chapter 21, verse one, during the reign of David, there was a famine for three excessive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is on account of Saul. You get the point. You said, okay, you could have said it twice, maybe two scriptures of ice. But I want to prove to you that God loved David and had a heart for David because he was always asking God for guidance. God loves a heart that's asking for guidance. The fifth reason is that David trusted in God. From the pastors, he had to trust God that he had a purpose. He had to trust God that... God would oversee him from his brothers, that he would look past his brother's lives and see his little life. He had to trust him that when he got before Goliath, that in his weakness, God would make him strong. He even had to trust him to what it was like to maintain a kingship and to take care of hundreds and thousands of people. Psalms chapter 27, verse 13 and 14. David says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's some of you that could, if one more thing happens, could lose heart. If one more person talks badly about you, you could lose heart. If one more bill comes to your doorstep that you can't pay, you could lose heart. I wanna encourage you that David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God. Today, can we believe that we'll see the goodness of God? David trusted God, and he wrote approximately half of the Psalms in the Bible. And there were about 150 Psalms, if I'm right, 150 Psalms. And almost 50 times in those 150 Psalms, he talked about trusting God. Jake, can I use you real quick? Jake, can you come up here? <laughs> it's important and it's powerful that we learn to trust God. Can you just stand right here, Jake, and I'm gonna do something. A lot of our lives look like this if it's our finances or I don't know much about marriage, but if it's our marriage or if it's our kids acting crazy or if it's our, 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 our bills or if it's our dreams or our ambitions, sometimes we're sitting here and God is right behind us, able to catch us and able to put us on the path that he has for us, but we're not willing to trust. You better catch me, but we're not willing <laughs> to trust. And God, we're standing here and we're asking God for help and we're asking God to lead us and we're asking God to, to provide and we're asking God to guide us and he's literally behind us, always championing from behind saying, I've got you, I got your back, I got your back, I got your back. Like, like Brandon, Pastor Brandon basically talked the other day is how he'll create a tunnel, how he'll push from behind. Bro, I was sick this week. I almost called you and say, brother, I might need you to preach for me. Uh, but anyway, he, he's always from behind leading and guiding and encouraging. And all we have to do is trust that he will catch us. Now that's easy because that might be a small blessing. Go down there. Because that's just, that's just next week's blessings. Or that's just next 
bill being paid. But will you trust him when there's a couple more of a distance, more feet to fall, more hurt to happen, more brokenness to be broken? Will you trust him at this level, knowing that he will catch you? I fell out of my shoes. <laughs> All right, stay there. That's medium trust. But will you trust him? I ain't doing that. <laughs> I trust you, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> but will you trust him? Yeah, I'm good. And everything that you do, because David did, and that's what made him a man after God's very own heart. We look at all these five attributes of David and the life he lived to make him a man after his own heart. But I could sum everything that I just said this morning by one word that I made you say out loud earlier, and that's after. David was a man after God's very own heart. God is always after you. The eyes of the Lord seek to and fro throughout the entire earth, looking for someone that he can show himself strong in. There's a search for a man that is after his heart. God's always looking for a life that he can use to do powerful and profound things. But are you after it as well? We look at those five topics. Being a person of prayer, loving the word of God, being someone that's obedient. Whatever the other ones were. <laughs> and it can be defined by a verb. And that is going after God. You know, I used to, I was talking about it earlier. I used to preach on the stages in front of 40,000 people or four in my hotel lobby. And people would always ask me, what do you do? How do, how do you market yourself? What, do you send out emails? Do you have a press kit? I've never had a press kit. They asked me this, they asked me this. And I said, man, I just love God. How did you get out of your drug addiction, Kagan? I just fell more in love with God than I did the drug. How did you change your life from being a kid in the cornfield to do these great and powerful things? I, I just fell in love with the great God. And so I look over the sea of people and I see you this morning and I see potential and I see power and I see, I see opportunity and I see God wanting to use you. But you have to do that secondary thing of being after his heart. First, God is after you. Are you after him and the things that he has for you as we stand up on our feet in response? If I ask you the question today, if your life was to be labeled today, what would it be labeled? Often we say, no labels. And I believe that our issue is not our identity. But we'll say no labels or don't label yourself, but David did. Not only did David label his life, God labeled his life. And his label was David a man after God's own heart. If you were to be labeled today, if it's a bad one, God can change that. But would it be blank, you are a man after God's own heart. Blank, you are a woman after God's own heart. And if that's not the case, let me ask you, how can you in him change that this morning? David started madly in love with God, singing songs in the pasture, defeating Goliath in the field because Goliath was cussing the name of God, then praised his way in the palace completely naked, 
then messed up. I wonder if the reason why he began to fail, why he began to make those falls is because things came first instead of his relationship with God. It's easy to get busy. It's easy to run businesses. It's easy to get caught up in the craziness of life. But all of that comes after you being after God's heart. So as we just close our eyes in reflection this morning, what can God move out of the way so he, he can become first place in our lives? How can we go after God farther, stronger, greater, deeper, and wider? How can we make more capacity for the creator of the world to be first and foremost in our life and we can be after him? Lord, we pray this morning and we ask that you would highlight things in our life that needs to change and needs to be rearranged. And that God, you would do what only you can do in Jesus' name. With every eye closed and head bowed, if, it's your, if you say, Kagan, today, I've never given my life to Jesus or I've backslidden and I wanna give my life back to him today. Will you lift up your hand? Lift up your hand real quickly. I see that, that's amazing, man. That's powerful. Let's all pray this prayer together from your heart but with your words, and let's do it together, church. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart and you would live in my life. I believe that you are the Son of Man and that you died and rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I want to be after you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.